Good morning. Um, like I said, I'm Josh. I want to apologize for Mike's lies. I'm not the best. Uh, so I'm sad that he would lie to you on a Sunday morning at church. You're not supposed to do that, Mike. Um, but he did. Um, you know, I was, this was not planned. I was, you know, I was thinking about this. I put this thing on this morning. This thing like bobbles around a lot. It makes you feel like it's going to fall off. You felt self-conscious about yourself. And if, I thought about this um, when I was in seventh grade. This is either my most embarrassing moment or my most fascinating moment. You can decide. Uh, my parents were pretty strict and they didn't like us going anywhere like unchaperoned, especially like seventh grade. I was like 12 or something. I don't know how old it was. So me and a buddy who was in seventh grade and my cousin who was in 10th grade, we got tickets to Britney Spears. And uh, so his mom, the 10th grader's mom, was supposed to go with us. My parents didn't know that she was just dropping us off and it was just going to be us. Uh, but I feel like I'm channeling my inner Britney Spears at this moment. Um, I think I wear it better. Uh, but like I said, my name is Josh. I've been on staff with Campus Outreach for nine years. This month I came on staff after raising funds. In, uh, when I graduated and I raised funds, I came on staff in 2010, January. So nine years this, year, this month. Uh, I've been at Point Loma for four and a half. And I've been here almost, I guess almost four now <clears throat> of that. And so... Uh, Sarah was here the first service. She had to go somewhere for her job. For they have, have a lunch meeting today. But Sarah and I have been married about a year and a half. And what some of you don't know is Sarah and I went to college together, West, Western Carolina University, the Catamounts. Um, it was it's a terrible. It they're not even real. They don't exist. Uh, it's a it's a metaphorical animal. Um, and but so <clears throat> what you didn't probably didn't know about Sarah is Sarah was the it girl. I wish she was here, uh, but she was the it girl in college, and she was one who, like, all the guys kind of liked, and basically she didn't like me. I liked her. I graduated. I came out here. You know, I got some San Diego fashion about me. She was like, ooh, he's kind of attractive now, uh, and she, she settled. I didn't, and, but when we were in college, Sarah, because she was kind of that girl, she got a lot of attention, and she got kind of dared to do a lot of crazy things, and we did a lot of crazy stuff in college. Uh, one night, I remember I kidnapped her. I think I was a sophomore. I kidnapped her with a buddy, and we drove her to Furman University, which is an hour and a half away. We dropped her off and left her and told the girls to come pick her up. And so um, it was like, <clears throat> and she had, we had class the next day. Um, it was like 3 in the morning. It's fine. <clears throat> but one of the things we loved to do was go to this place called the Road to Nowhere. Um, and so this is a picture. Uh, the Road to Nowhere was built, I think, the 40s. Uh, the government decides, so this is Main Street, Bryson City in North Carolina, and it's like you drive through, you turn left on the Main Street, you're driving up through the mountains. It kind of goes for like four or five miles, and then it ends right here. This doesn't look very scary, but so what they did was they built this road, they built this tunnel, and it, literally at the very end of the tunnel, the pavement ends and it's dirt. Why? No idea. Um, they just stop, but that's what the government does. It just stops, right? Um, <clears throat> and uh, so we, what we would like to do is when, when, when kind of new people came in, every year we'd take a trip to the road to nowhere to, to scare the freshmen or people or whatever. And it's, it's like this 200-yard long tunnel. It's like in the mo and on, on a moonless night, you cannot see. But even if it, the moon's out, you can't see the end of the tunnel. It's terrifying. There's like this demon painted on the wall. Like it's crazy and awesome. Um, and so what we would do is like you go up there and like you run ahead of somebody, you get on your hands and knees and they trip over you. 
which is awesome, always funny. Or like you, like you get real quiet and you like walk beside people and then you like whisper something like creepy into their ear. They don't know you're there. You freak them out that way. A lot of fun. So <clears throat> anyways, we do this every year. And so we went one, uh, I think it was my sophomore or junior year. We went up there and we went through and we came back and there was like 30 of us and everyone was like, oh, Sarah, you should do it. And Sarah, Sarah is like, she's has some like fears, but what I love about Sarah is that she's kind of willing to like risk a little bit. She's like, she's a little bit of a risk taker. She likes to do some hard things, conquer fears. And so, excuse me. So she was like, look, if someone goes through to the other side, I'll meet them there. I'll walk through by myself as long as I know someone's there. Because when you get to the other end of the tunnel, it's terrifying. Like you don't know what's out in the woods. It's just woods. Could be animals, could be people, who knows? Um, and so one of the staff guys goes down there and he comes, like, so she walks down and comes back. We're all like, no way, we can't believe she did it because it's like, you know, Sarah was kind of like timid at times or whatever. So what I love about her is that she's actually not afraid to take risks. She's not afraid to do the hard thing. And so this past year, I thought about that when I, when I was thinking about marrying her. Like this past year has been a hard year for us. Um, and this sermon is kind of coming out of that. Um, I struggle to see Jesus at times. Uh, marriage, like I said, had its hard moments. Uh, frustration with our future and uncertainty with that um, just kind of made me kind of like deviate from like really trusting God. And so, yeah, I mean, like I think walking with, walking with Jesus can be really difficult, but it's a lot harder if we don't necessarily know how to do it. And I've always heard like, you know, some, you know, you, you share something with someone like, man, that's, that's tough, man. You just got to keep, you got to keep trusting Jesus. You got to walk with God. You got to rest with, rest in Jesus, right? And I've been, I've said those things. I'm guilty. I've said those things. Um, I was thinking about a specific moment where one of the guys, um, Travis, who's a Point Loma last semester, he was sharing something. And I said that. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, how, how do you do that practically? Because when I'm really struggling, that just isn't helpful. And so what I think is, I think the, like, the first step to really being close to Jesus is actually learning how to rest in him. Like, how do you, how do you rest in Jesus? But again, how the heck do we do that? I mean, really? Like, we've hear, we heard the verse in Psalm 46, like, be still and know that I, he's God, right? Like, oh, it feels like so, like, sweet and amazing, right? But like, what does that mean? How do we do that? Um, and I think, like, you know, millennials get, get clowned on these days. I'm a millennial, sadly. I kind of, like, try to see, like, say that I'm not, but I, I still fit in that category. Like, millennials can't sit still for, like, eight seconds or longer, right? Like, there's these eight second, like, the vines, like, that's, we can't sit still and actually be with God or rest with God. And so what I thought, like, how do we do that? Like, what, is, what does it take to make this happen? And so I was like, as a processing through this sermon, I was like, I, I kind of realized, like, I'm going to give you guys what I think is the right and best way to do it. And you might be like, wow, that's kind of arrogant, Josh. Um, well, you'll see in a second. So just to be fair, I want to confess, I still struggle to do this or even slow down to see it myself. But uh, our passage today is not actually jo Joshua, which I think is in the bulletin. It's actually Matthew, uh, Matthew 14. It's going to be on the, on the slides if you want to follow along in your Bible. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, right before this, Jesus is uh, feeding the 5,000 people with the five loaves and two fish, right? So we're coming off the heels of that. This, is a, this, is, it's like this passage picks up immediately right after that. So it says this. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up, <clears throat> excuse me, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. 
When evening came, he was there alone. But, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when his disciples saw him, he saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. <coughs> but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had gotten to the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Um, so I said the right and the best way. So what is the right and best way to rest in Jesus? Um, well, I think if you look at this passage, you look at the way Jesus models it. Look at the way Jesus did it. That's right. That's, that's the right and best way. It's as easy as it gets. That's as clear as it gets. Like, Jesus rests in God, and I think we should rest in Jesus. And we see this in verse 23. It says, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So what did Jesus model here? He modeled resting with God through, like, four spiritual pathways. And so I just want to give a disclaimer Spiritual pathways aren't like explicitly stated in the Bible, but there are themes that we get from the Bible. Like they're, they're interwoven throughout all of Scripture, and I actually believe that Jesus does all of these things in Scripture. So it's not just something that we just kind of created. It's like, oh, do these things and you'll walk with God. But it's like, like these are things that Jesus models for us. And so we talked about spiritual pathways. If you were here last year before Easter, and I want to point us back to this. And I think it's crucial to understand yourself and understand how you connect with God, your Father, to, to really connect. And I think we're all different. Like every one of us in this room has been created by God, unique and different. And so for us to view Jesus and like our walk with God as like being in a corner with your Bible and a commentary and a dictionary and a Greek, Greek Bible and all this kind of stuff, like, like Stephen, that sounds miserable to you, right? That sounds miserable to me. But to some people, that's delightful. Like, why? Because God's created us differently. And so understanding this uh, is incredibly helpful to you kind of resting with God. <clears throat> so there's seven categories. You see them up on the screen. Relational, intellectual, worship, activist, contemplative, serving, and then creation slash nature. That's kind of like multifaceted there. But in this passage alone that we just talked about, Jesus models nature, worship, contemplative, and serving. And so we see nature. Well, where does he go? He goes to the mountain. He spends time with God on the mountain. Worship. He worships by prayer and connection with his father. Um, contemplative. He goes, he chooses to be alone by himself to reflect. He sends the disciples on. And then finally, serving. He feeds the 5,000. I mean, if, and so we see these four models or pathways kind of modeled for us by Jesus. And so Mike shared a story with me in December we got lunch, we were talking about this sermon and kind of what we are going to talk about. And he shared this story as we were processing, and I thought it was really helpful. Like, a missionary in Africa came in, was, they were talking, and he was like, Mike, I said, how are you doing in your, in your walk with God? And he was like, man, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, it's just really hard. I feel really dry. He's like, I'm praying, I'm in my Bible, I'm reading, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. And Mike was like, so when was the last time you really felt connected to God? 
and he was like, well, like, like when did God show up for you? Or like, when did you feel like you, like, like you were really in, in relationship with Jesus in a really intimate way? And he's like, well, probably when I was surfing or mountain biking. And Mike was like, that's probably because you connect God with God best through nature. I mean, think about like, he's like, when you're surfing or biking, you have this mind that's clear and focused on kind of what you're doing, but also it gives you the space to like think and be praying and enjoy God and the, way, the things that he's created for you to enjoy. You're meeting with God. And so, again, understanding your pathway is helpful in resting with Jesus as you meet with him. And I, I feel inadequate here because I feel, I feel bad because, or like, like a failure because I don't always like meet with God well like reading the Bible or alone. But I think we have to get past this in our own hearts and minds and really lean into whatever our pathway is. Now, this doesn't mean you like the song Oceans and you put it on, re- your, your, your spiritual pathway is worship and you're listening to Oceans 45 times on repeat and you're like, man, I just met with the Lord. He called me out on the waters. I felt good about it, right? Like, no, that is, like, what, I'm, what I'm saying is like these pathways aren't, you don't take Jesus out of the pathways. You bring the word of God and prayer into these pathways. And so like, I think about it this way, like We've talked about acts before, um, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication in our church. If you don't know what that is, ask Pastor Stephen. He'd love to sit down and talk to you about it a little bit more. It's in our CBRs. But, like, there's a level of, like, each one of these pathways we can adore or be thankful or confess our sin or pray for others. There's a way that we're serving God in these things. And so <clears throat> bring the Spirit and, the, like, the Word of God into these things as you, as you do them, not take it out. And so I think a couple ways to do this... <clears throat> Kind of practically, I'm relational, which means I'd rather get in the Word with you than by myself. I feel like I get a lot more out of it. I feel like I walk away going, wow, that's, I never thought about that before. I've never seen that before. And so for, for you, maybe it's ask somebody to get in the Word with you this week. Simple as that. Now, that might be hard. It might, be, might feel weird or uncomfortable, but I'm like, take a chance. Step out in faith and give it a shot. See what happens. Uh, maybe your pathway is service. Matthew 25, 40 says, And the king, Jesus, will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of these, as you did to, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So when you're out in the city, you're serving the homeless, um, helping, uh, helping the broken or the hurting, if you're doing something that way, however you serve, remember that Jesus says this, like if you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. So don't just be out there like, you know, Harbor City was doing it, so I did it. Or like, it's just something I just really enjoy doing. I'm a good person. Like, why, why wouldn't I help? Those are great things, but it's like you're, you're pushing Jesus out of the equation. Like, invite Jesus in. Remember that Jesus is like, look, if you do this for them, you're doing it for me. Like, you're worshiping God. You're walking with God. You're connecting and meeting with God in that. So invite him in. Bring him into those things. Um, maybe it's creation. And so I said creation and nature because... God creates nature. He creates the world that we live in. But creation also means that like in, in what God does in creation is he creates, he maintains, and he restores. And so I have a buddy, Paul, uh, who owns a boat. And this dude is always working on his boat. He's always fixing something. He's always making something better, whatever. And I think, I was thinking about this, it's like he really couldn't worship God by the way that he's reflecting God's image, by maintaining and restoring his boat. Like he could be like, God, I'm a, he can adore God for the way that God, God maintains and restores in his own life, and he's doing this for his boat. But let's take it a step further, not just to be superficial, like, oh, it's just, a, you know, helping out my boat. But like Paul, what I love about him, he knows some of the people around him. 
in his like in the boat dock, and he helps them with their boats. Like he's a creator, a maintainer, and a restorer for them as well. He's reflecting and he's worshiping God in that way. <clears throat> so we have a five-minute test, super easy. I hate tests. I went to the library in college like 20 times my whole career. Like we have this five-minute test that's actually going to help you identify this pathway. We have some printed out. Mike printed out some this morning, and it's also been emailed. I think he, he mentioned that. It's emailed. If you don't get an email from us, fill out your connection card, drop it in the offering plate. We'll, we'll send it out to you this week. Uh, it's super easy, and it's going to help you kind of identify uh, maybe the best way that you connect with God as opposed to somebody else. And so the next step is walking. So we think, think we've got to start with resting now. How do we walk? Um, how do we walk with Jesus? If, and so I think about it like this. Resting is looking backwards or sitting in something, walking is moving forward, looking forward. And so I love that it wasn't really intentional. I just think it worked out this way. God is sovereign, you know. So Tyler last week spoke about looking back, remembering God's faithfulness, looking back to the goodness of the Lord. And so that's kind of like the resting. And this, this walking is moving forward. How do we look forward into what God is going to call us into, into the new year? And so walking with God, it's multifaceted. And I think it can often be confusing, but I don't think it has to be. And I think it's as simple as this. Like, if you look at this passage, and we're going to read it again, Peter, or excuse me, Jesus walked on the water because he was God. <clears throat> Peter walked on the water because he was walking with God and he was looking to God. Like, for us to walk with God, it, it can be as simple as that. So we're going to read this again, verse 24. <clears throat> but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walking on the water and came to Jesus. So what can this look like in, in our lives? What can this look, look like in your life? There's probably infinite ways to think about this. I mean, like, it's a, it could be a, like one, one way is like get out of bed and connect with God or connect with ESPN. That's, that, that's, a, that's a personal confession. Um, I do that a lot, right? Like, I just, like, I, I get lazy and I'm just like, ah, I just want to see what happened. Like, what did Curry do last night or, you know, whatever. But, like, it's, it can be as simple as that. But <clears throat> what I kind of want to focus a little bit more on is, like, steps of faith. Like, how do we walk with God by faith? What can we step out of our boat and walk by faith in? And so a couple questions for you. What have you seen God calling you to in the past, you know, few months or whatever? Or what, is, or what is he calling you to in this coming year? What is your boat and how is he calling you to step out of that? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I love that every Christmas we do the Christmas campaign, the Christmas offering, because in a time of like gifts and spending, it's a real challenge for me to like step out of my own comfort zone, my own financial situation, and like give above and beyond to the church. And I love that because it's like I'm looking to Jesus to provide. I'm stepping out of my own boat um, and, and taking a step of faith in that, in that way. And so, you know, some questions for you guys to kind of think about to maybe hopefully get your mind kind of going. Maybe you have that thing, or maybe here's some, here's some questions to kind of help you process. Do you have a big decision to make this year, personal or job-related? Um, are you dealing with a personal issue and you don't really feel, you don't really see Jesus coming to your rescue, right? Uh, is God calling you to share your faith in your workplace or is he just calling you to be honest about your faith with someone? 
Like, y'all have had conversations about lots of different things, and you've really been honest about, hey, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, and this is how Jesus helped me walk through these things. Um, do you need to spend more intentional time with your spouse or with your kids? Are you being challenged to trust God with your money? Or are you being challenged, is God calling you to take this spiritual pathway test? Same as plug. Um, but <clears throat> what I love about Peter is, like, Peter's bold to ask. We're not always bold to ask. And he steps out of the boat into the unknown. Now, you might say, Josh, of course, if Jesus said to me, come, I'd get out of the boat. And I'm, I just think about this. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. Like, no, no. Because this is what would happen. The same problems that you have with those, those, those lists of questions here, the same problems you have at, like, really trusting God with that are the same problems you'd have in that moment. Like, reason would kick in and you would go, I can't walk on the water. When I was five, I ran across the deck as hard as I could and then ran into the pool, and I got like two steps in the water, but at the third one, it was like, you know, you went in. I mean, if, you're, if you are a kid, you did that, I hope. Um, I did. Um, you can't. Like, reason kicks in. This is impossible, right? That's what you would be like in that moment. In those same moments, you would feel unsure. Like, the same moment you feel unsure about these things is the same moment you'd feel unsure if it came to Jesus saying, come. It takes faith and trust, not reason. And so something <clears throat> interesting about this, I think that, I love, I love this passage because when I was thinking about it and I was thinking about, you know, the sermon, this passage has kind of encompassed all of these things. And I, I've loved this passage for years because it just, it just does everything that I think that we hate about walking with God. I mean, think about this. Something to point out is like, this is not an easy time. Peter steps out of the boat when the, like the storm is like battering the, it says the boat has been battered by the wind and the waves. The men are tired. It's like three in the morning. Who knows? It's, like, it's late at night. And there's a storm going on in their lives at the moment. And this, this is the time when it's confusing, when it's frustrating, that God's saying, hey, come. Peter, you can come if you want. How often is that the case for us? Maybe it's where you're at right now. Like you're in a hard place and it's like you feel like God's calling you to trust him. And it's like, God, just make it easier and I will. It's often these, this, this the case. You know, he, he calls us to come when it's hard. And what I think Jesus is trying to communicate here is that when it comes to him, you've got to walk by faith. It doesn't always make sense. <clears throat> but are you going to believe that he's going to be with you? He's going to, never going to leave you, never going to forsake you? Or is that just a, a line you hear from the scriptures? Like, do you really believe that? And, and it's just, Jesus doesn't always give you this clear, like, come. That's the, like, that's the other thing, too, is that he doesn't always just say, yeah, do this. Sometimes he gives us a couple decisions to make. Then he's like, make this decision. And we have to trust and take a step of faith. Now, I will say this as a little caveat to this. This can't be done without step one of resting. you got to rest with God and be with him and walking. With, and so to be able to walk by faith, to take these steps of faith. So these things aren't mutually exclusive. they both got to be done in, in like concert with one another. And so this brings us to our, our third point, which is... Inevitably, everyone's like least favorite point uh, is failing. Like all of us, myself included, everyone in this room, we are all failures. You are a failure. And so, like, are you going to do this perfectly? No, no. But that doesn't mean you don't try. I think we see this in verse twenty-nine. It says, "So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me.'" Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, 
Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I think about like that, that struggle, like the doubt. We, we struggle to believe that the Lord is going to protect us, that he's going to provide for us, he's going to take care of us, right? That's why, we were, that's why we don't really like take step out of whatever that boat is for us. And so I think if you were here, <coughs> excuse me, if you were here at Christmas, uh, the, right before Advent, Mike gave a, a quick sermon, and we did like some of the spiritual pathway stuff that, that Sunday, and we did we had crafts, he said walk around the block or whatever. And <coughs> I didn't really know this, but he asked two questions. Um, he said, what do you want to see God do in you and what do you see God do through you? And me and my wife both said at different times, we said, um, she was up here doing a craft and I was sitting there just journaling. And we talked about it afterwards. We're like, we want a healthy marriage. Like it's been hard. We've been kind of miscommunicating a lot. Like we want a healthy marriage. And so we prayed, we acted upon that. We're like, okay, so what, can, what are some things we can do? We're like, all right, we're going to do breakfast once a week and we're going to study a verse together. It's going to be like 30 minutes. We're going to do breakfast together, and we're going to, you know, do this verse. And so we started that. And then, you know, I think this is from the Lord. Like, we're like, all right, let's get a puzzle. I don't like puzzles. I've never liked puzzles. But I was like, let's get a puzzle. We got a puzzle. It was amazing. Shockingly enough, like, it, like we started doing this puzzle, and it was like something we were doing together. Like, it got her excited. It felt like she felt like we were a team. Like, things are kind of coming together. We started, like, we had really good dates. And what I love about it is, like, we got back, we got to, like, Christmas Eve, and Mike called us to remember that. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, the Lord showed up. He, he provided for us. Like, we're doing really well right now. It's great. And I'm like, oh, yeah, God, that's you. And so I think about it like this, is that, like, you got, you have to, like, you got to step out of the boat and make yourself vulnerable. And what God does is he actually does something in you and through you. So what he did for me in, the, in those moments was, like, actually allowed me to be vulnerable with Sarah about some things. Like, when I would get frustrated with her and I just kind of try to keep it to myself or, like, stuff it, right? Like, I was able to, like, be honest and vulnerable and, like, tell her. And then she was saying things back to me that probably in the past would have hurt my feelings. And now I'm like, oh, like, I'm tr- like I feel like we're growing in trust here. And I'm like, that was from the Lord. It really was. And so... Stepping out, out of, outside of the doubt, into the boat, like allowing God to protect, it's, it's just a, it's a really cool thing to see. But too often, we're like Peter. And so Peter, in this moment, he, he, he walks on the water there, and in this moment, he believes in the power of the wind and the waves, or his circumstances, for us, your circumstances. He believes in that more than he believes in the power of Jesus. How often is that us? And so... What is Jesus' response? Peter just falls like, he's, he's an idiot, right? Like he does something really dumb. He's doubting. He's like us. And what is Jesus' response? It doesn't seem like the condemnation that we so often attribute to God. Like I don't hear Jesus saying like, you fool. Like what are you doing? Like why did, you know, what, what's going on? Like why did you doubt me? What, I, what you see is it says immediately he reaches out and he saves him. So I think about it like this, like, I, I love playing basketball, I'm, I cannot dunk the basketball, but when you watch basketball, you see guys that get dunked on, and a guy dunks on another guy, and he steps over, and he's like, he like looks at him like, I got you. Like, he lets him, he doesn't help him up, he like lets him stay there. And I think about that, like, Jesus doesn't do that with Peter. He immediately reaches down, and he picks him up. He doesn't let him sit in it for a second. He's like, I got you. And Jesus is he's honest with him. He's like, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I don't, I don't sense it as like this scolding thing. It's like this, 
Peter, trust me. Like, why didn't you trust me? You got here. You got this far. Like, why didn't you trust me? And so with the immediacy of the reaching out and the words, it doesn't appear that Jesus is condemning. It, it appears like he's like coming. He wants to save him. And so thankfully, if you know anything about Peter in the, in the scriptures, Peter's kind of an arrogant guy. And thankfully, in this moment, Peter models a lot of humility, and he cries out to Jesus to save him immediately. Uh, and many of us, we fail like Peter, but we try to continue to fix it or do it on our own. And I would just say, like, stop. Like, look to, look to Peter's example of humility and cry out to Jesus. Like, Jesus wants to save us. He wants to protect us. He wants to provide and so it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you're a Christian or not, Jesus wants to save you. And so I think about, I thought about like this, like maybe, maybe use, that, use the spouse or the kids analogy, like maybe you get angry with your spouse or your kids. <clears throat> I think like, you know, being humble and like Peter looks like asking Jesus for forgiveness and then asking your spouse or your kids for forgiveness. Like ask them. I think it's a good thing. Um, maybe... You're on the edge of not like, you're like, you're not ready to fully give your life to Jesus. Like, I would say, take the step. Like, call out to him. Trust your life to him. I mean, like, he's, like, he's just, like, like I love what Jesus is like. He's like, I, I'm worth trusting. I'm worth knowing. Like, you got here with me. Like, let's go the rest of the way together. And so one of the reasons I love this passage as we close, this is, this, this is what gets me so fired up when I think about this passage. I've heard this passage my whole life. I've been in church most of my life. Um, but this, I learned this a couple years ago as I was studying um, at a coffee shop over in City Heights, actually. And it's what it doesn't say. And in verse 31 and 32, it says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So what does this mean? Well, how do they get back to the boat? They walk on the freaking water. Like, they walk on the water back to the boat. Miracle. Like, they do this crazy thing together. Like, after Peter f blew it, he didn't have to swim back. He walked back on the water with Jesus. Like, how crazy is that? But that's the God that we serve. Like, God is, Jesus is showing his character to you through Peter by walking with him on the water through the circumstance back to the boat. That's so sweet. And then I think, secondly, they walk back through the storm together. It says, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Like, it wasn't until they got in the boat that everything kind of calmed down. Like, so your circumstances, whatever those things are, Jesus is saying, I want to walk with you through those things. Like, you're taking a step out into this unknown thing. It's, 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 a, it's a leap of faith here, right? And, like, Jesus is saying, I'm going to carry you across the water. We're going to walk across the waters together until, it, until it's over. And so what does this mean for us? I think three things that we can kind of apply to our lives. Number one, I think it's important to note that Peter was with Jesus on both sides of his short journey. Like, so Peter stepped out of the boat in faith. He was with Jesus, right? And he's walking to, he, fit, he, he fell, like, and then on the backside, he walks back. So practically, I think for this to begin to make sense in your own life, if you're not a Christian, you got to surrender your life to Jesus. You got to be. You got to have a relationship with God. You got to step out and surrender your life to Jesus. Like that's where your journey starts. Um, and so, what I love is like we've, I've talked about like God as a father, and Jesus is like going to God as his father. Like Jesus, God becomes our father, 
and we become his children. So he invites us into relationship with him. And what does a father do? A good father provides, protects, listens, cares for, loves his children, right? So these things that, you're, that you want, like he's saying, I'm going to give them to you. Like I want to be there. I want to be that with you. I want to walk you through these things. So if that's you, I would say, surrender your life to Jesus. I challenge you, like, <clears throat> stop trying to do this life on your own. Step out of your boat of your self-sufficiency, um, your success, your failures, whatever it is. And I'd say surrender your life. You know, we'll have prayer team. Ask someone who brought you, like, give your life to Jesus today. Um, second, you know, like, there's consequences to sin that are not, like, necessarily God's fault. Like, but in this situation, I think, don't always take your hard circumstances as, like, you're doing something wrong. Sometimes it's just Jesus wants to, like, make you strong. The storm means he wants to help you be stronger. He wants to walk with you through the storm, and he wants to help you. And then third, I would say just take some time this week to identify your pathway. Like, like Mike said, it's, it's already sent to you. There's some in the back. Do it today while you've got, got a few minutes because if you, if you wait till the rest of the week, you're probably not going to do it. Um, and so take some time to identify your pathway. Rest with Jesus. Meet with him. And then ask him, like, to reveal some areas in your life that you need to take some steps of faith. Like, where do you need to step out in faith and really trust God? And then ask him to give you the ability to do that. And so as we walk and rest with Jesus and we fail, would we come back to him and we would continue to press forward into that? And so let's pray. Jesus, I'm thankful that you are a God who saves. You're a God who protects. You're a God who provides. You've met us in the storms of life, um, and even when it's hard to see you, Jesus, like if, if we are your children, you are there. It is a guarantee. It's a fact. It's, this is not debatable. You've proven yourself over and over and over, time and time again. And so, Jesus, would, would your spirit press into our hearts? Would it cause us to to turn to you after we fail. God, we see that you reach out immediately to save us. God, would, you, would we cry out to you and would you save? Um, and so Jesus, as we go into our week, would we rest and would we walk with boldness and confidence? And when we, when we fail, would we believe and trust that you are there to save us? And will we reach out, will we cry out uh, for forgiveness? In your name, amen.